Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. I'm your uh, co-host for today's show, Aaron Richards, joined here in the illustrious Damascus Media Studio by my friend and brother in Christ, Dan Demite. Welcome, Dan. Hello, Aaron. It's good to be here today. It's good to be here today. It's been a while since the two of us have sat face-to-face at this table. Oh, yes. It's a good day indeed. Friends, uh, super pumped for today's show. If you're new to Beyond Damascus, like I said, this is the show where encounter meets mission. You remember the story of St. Paul who, on the road to Damascus, encountered Jesus himself. His life in that moment was transformed forever. And he was launched from a place of uh, of faith into a place of faith that had come alive in mission, right? We see the story of St. Paul. It transformed dramatically on that day as recounted in Scripture on a number of occasions. And uh, that's, that's our goal here in the show, that we would, that we would talk about um, and reflect upon and give testimony to the fact that when we enter into a life of encounter with Jesus— that its next step, its next logical step, is a life of of mission where where we are truly, truly transformed. So, uh, Dan, you want to kick us off in prayer today? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord, I pray that you would transform our minds and our hearts to be dedicated to mission, that like yeah. St. Paul, um, our encounter with you would transform us so that our lifestyle had a, a new purpose and a new meaning. Yeah. Lord, I pray that you would set us on a new direction. I pray, Lord, for all of our listeners who Thank have you. been working and laboring in the vineyard of the Lord, uh, who are tired and heavy burdened, and that that burden would be mm. lifted off of their shoulders, that they would just be re-energized, reinvigorated today on this show. I pray, Lord, that you would infuse a missionary uh, zeal and a yes, passion Lord. in their hearts. Yes. Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you, and we're so blessed for the opportunity that we have to partner with you. When we partner with you, everything in our life is better. Yes. <laughs> so, Jesus, give us the grace to say yes to the mission that you've called us to. And if that word's foreign to any of our listeners today, I pray that you would transform our hearts, that we could come to know you better mm-hmm. through the call that you've placed on our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Dan, uh, you and I just walked out of, for the sake of all our listeners coming to uh, coming to know, you and I just walked out of what is an awesome day of orientation and training on mission with our uh, with with how many thirty five members of our of our missionary staff. Yeah, and. Um, what what an incredible morning it's already been. I'm 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 so convicted again. Just the life in that room as all of these men and women who have truly given given their yes to the Lord in in varieties of radical ways here at Damascus and Centerburg, and um, what an inspiring day as we're as we're putting together kind of the ideas for today's show. Uh, that's that's sort of the direction we're heading, right? Yeah, it's it's amazing. I think you know when we encounter Jesus Christ, Jesus launches us onto a mission. And um, for some people, they encounter Jesus and they get super passionate and they want to, uh, others to know who Jesus is. Um, and they kind of are like a shooting star where yep. they get really they fired up and they burn really bright and really big, and then phew, as quick as it came, it's gone. And it's just yeah. this burning passion that fades away and. I, I, you know, today we kind of want to talk about 
just the how to ha- be more like the sun <laughs> that rises and shines every like ri- uh, like rises every day <laughs> and it's consistent it's steady it's burning it's powerful and it gives light to the nations that's and awesome as missionaries uh who have encountered jesus we want to give light to the nations not in a fast burnout kind of way but in a steady everyday kind of way yeah. and i would say for most people who listen to catholic radio you probably have had an encounter with jesus to some extent in your life and you've probably Probably wandered into mission at some point in your life as well. You're probably like, okay, I've uh, I've started my my life down, the, like trying to get involved in my parish or forming a men's group or a women's group or uh, teaching at a religious ed class, and we, we, you get involved in the mission of the church, and then sometimes that burns brightly over a long period of times, and sometimes it kind of burns out, and you, you're a little beat up and you're tired. And um, so today we just want to encourage our listeners and really give a vision for how to burn brightly day after day consistently with a missionary zeal for the sake of the kingdom that just never wanes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, as you're saying that, I love how you use the example of the sun, right? Because you're not, uh, we're not suggesting compromise here, no. right? We're not suggesting that, hey, in lieu of burning brightly and burning out, Let's burn slowly and <laughs> yeah. efficiently. I, I, which I hate that phrase. It's a marathon, not a sprint. No, what if like this? Just be burn just, bright. Just sprint forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Because like if if you're like, oh, it's a marathon, that means I can just be lazy or, or not, yeah, that, but not the, the marathon runners are lazy. No, not at all. <laughs> I definitely have not ran that far. Um, but that idea of like, yeah, the sun burns like day after day with the same amount of intensity. Um, And I think a great way to set this up is just to look at the, uh, the parable of the 10 virgins um, from Matthew 25 or uh, the, the, as some Bibles call it the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I love that. Uh, But let's just look, uh, I just want to start today with reading that it says in Matthew 25 verse one, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. At, uh, but at midnight, there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all of the bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Get us some of, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they, uh, and while they were, went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went out with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was mm. shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I do not know you. I tell you, I do not know you. Right. Um, so, Aaron, that is kind of a intense like uh, uh, gospel. It's one of the end times parables that the Lord gives. And uh, it's one of those like, OK, what what's the Lord saying here? <laughs> right? uh, Sometimes I feel happy. Other times I feel miserable. I know. It's like, OK, so the bridegroom comes and some some get to go into heaven and some the door is shut. And um, I just want to kind of break open this today because I think that this is one of those parables that often gets 
lost in the shuffle. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think a lot of times even Jesus's end time parables, they're like, okay, that's cute, but I'm going to heaven because I'm already a Catholic. And uh, and we can kind of just like write off the end time parables as this is for the people who, this is actually meant for the people who aren't in the church, right? Or who yeah. aren't living their life for Jesus. And um, this parable is unique in that you know, there, there are other parables that Jesus gives about the end times that are for those who aren't in the church, like the weed is in the wheat. And he talks about like the, the wheat has to be thrown out and burn up, right? Um, and, the, and the wheat is, is selected. This parable is actually different, though, because this is directed towards people who um, are like living lives of mission. Yeah. Uh, they're virgins. And so the, the, the parable is about 10 different virgins, meaning that these are 10 different people who are who've committed, in the church. Yeah. Who've committed themselves to the, to the pursuit of the Lord. Yeah. And, uh, at one point they were living lives of holiness, right? There's uh-huh. that, 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 that idea of, uh, of virginity is this idea that the, there's some kind of cleanliness, right? That the, they've, they've maintained a level of holiness. And, um, so this isn't about those who are far off and pagan and who are living lives of insane corruption, right? The Lord's actually speaking, I think, to all of us uh, that are members of the church here, and he wants to, to give us a good apostolic warning. Um, and then the other interesting thing is in this parable, they all have a lamp, um, and the lamp represents, if you will, uh, the, the ministry that they do, the mission work that they do. Hmm. So um, all of us at our baptism are given a white cloak to show that virginity, right? That, and we're also given a, a candle at our baptism. So he's speaking here of us, the baptized, who have received the the white cloak of baptism and the candle that we carry the uh, to be the light of the world. Um, I love how baptism is not simply about us being holy, but it's also about us being missionary. Yeah. Um, that Jesus says that you are the light of the world and a light. Uh, shines so that all in the house can see it. You're not put under a, a, a bushel basket, right? That that we all have this ministry that um, we're called to. And um, the other interesting thing is that they um, they all fell asleep, and um, all ten of them. And I think that sometimes we're, I, I think it's just a good um, teaching from Jesus that at some point we're all going to get tired and uh, it's impossible to, to assume that never in our spiritual life will we have complacency, never in our spiritual life will we have a a moment of weariness or tiredness, but that we're all going to go through times in in our life with Jesus where we're burning really bright. And then maybe those times where we're not burning so bright and, and that that's okay. And the Lord says, Hey, I want to speak to you. Um, and I don't know, maybe some of our listeners right now, you're in a time where you're burning really bright and the Lord wants to speak to you to give you kind of wisdom on how not to burn out. And for those who may not be burning as bright as you once were, the Lord wants to say, hey, here's a message for you on uh, your call to burn again. Yeah, I love the, um, you were talking about in Matthew's gospel, when, he, when Jesus talks about the the light set upon the hill, right? The city mm-hmm. set on a hill, the the light under the bushel basket. Um, he talks about the salt of the earth, right? That that when the Lord calls us to a particular mission, he he gets he gets really close to making making it almost as if this is this is a part of our identity, yeah, like our fundamental identity. That you know, a, a, a light doesn't have the choice of not shining, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> salt doesn't have the choice of not tasting. We we were built in a particular way for mission, yeah. Um, even in, even in, uh, Jeremiah's gospel, right. You know, um, the, those, 
those beautiful identity affirming valuation words of I, I knew you and like before you were before I knit you in your mother's womb. Yeah. That uh, the 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 phrase that Jeremiah uses it actually identifies that I knit you together for a particular work mm. that that prior to even our um our conception that God had in mind a particular mission for which he designed us mm. so it's uh it's it's so cool as, as we identify just those those themes those ideas that that we we are made for a particular mission this isn't just the circumstance yeah that that we're in in a, in a you know in a particular day. It's it's part of our baptismal identity. I mean that phrase, "You are the light of the world." That's an identity statement. Like yeah. you are a son of God, and you are the light of the world. It's not you are a light of the world. You are the light of the world. He says to us, like we are meant in that city on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It's almost like, are you kidding me? Like, why would, is it set on a lampstand where it gives light to all the house? He's kind of like, yeah, of course. Like a, a light loses its function if it doesn't provide light. Yeah. And a Christian loses its function if it doesn't do minute, like if he or she doesn't do mission, right. Yep. And ministry that, that we've got to be the light of the world in order to truly be a Christian. And, in verse 16, Matthew 5, 16, he says, just so let your uh, your light must shine before others. He doesn't say your light should or can. It must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father, right? Mm-hmm. That they need to see our good deeds, that we need to shine for them to see. So I think the that's really, it's this is a... a, a um, a parable for all of us. So we've been given this light. Um, and there are some who they were ready when the bridegroom came, their light was still shining. And others, when the bridegroom came, their light was no longer shining. Um, yeah. It's very interesting too. Cause when I first read this, I was kind of scandalized um, because uh, I mean, you hear this just beautiful, first of all, this beautiful cry, like at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Like yeah. this should be like so awesome and exciting. If you're a Christian, this is like the best moment of Christianity. <laughs> like, yes, the Lord is coming, right? He's here. Everything I've longed for is here. But some weren't ready for that. And it's interesting because they're like, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise saying reply, no, there will not be enough oil for you and for us. And when I first read this, I was like, Wait, that's kind of rude. <laughs> like, you should, selfish jerks. Yeah, like you're highlighting the, these wise virgins as like the 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 ones that are ready for the bridegroom to come, and yet they're not willing to share their oil. And when you think, like, I, I started to meditate on that. Like, why? Like, why is it that they didn't share their oil? And I think the Lord is speaking to something of the fact that. Like the oil of intimacy with God is something you can't share. It's wow. not. It's not something that like I can't share my the the time in the secret place of prayer that I've cultivated over years. Right? I can share my, the, 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 the fruit the, of it. The fruit of it. Yeah. yeah but I can't. I can't share. There's certain things in our relationship with God that you just can't. Sh- like you you can't give to others because it, it, it just takes time to cultivate and. um I think that's it's really important for us to know that um 
you know, if if we've been running from the secret place, that that quiet room with the Lord, um, that's part of the oil that burns in us to prepare us mm-hmm. um, for when the Lord comes. I've, I was also thinking, really, during this time of like the world kind of got unsettled during COVID, and I was thinking about like what is the Lord looking for when when He comes again, right? I I I, I my guess is in different times um, when the Lord comes, it's going to be a pretty unsettling time. And there's going to be, even before the Lord comes, there will be a lot of unsettling times. And perhaps in the coming decades, there's going to be some drastically unsettling times for us as Christians. And what's the Lord looking for there? I think it's a, it's a bridegroom kind of intimacy um, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, he, he's not, he's not necessarily, I think a lot of times we use war language, like we need to be ready for battle, but the Lord's highlighting here at the end, he's looking for bridegroom intimacy. And there's something about that where bridegroom intimacy means I'm not going anywhere, you know, like at the end of the day, no matter what happens, husbands and wives are sticking it out together. And that that idea of no matter what comes in the next decade, no matter what comes in the next hundred years, like I'm not going anywhere that we're mm. we're with the Lord no matter what and it's it's almost like bridegroom intimacy goes beyond the emotions right yeah. as well that's awesome. Uh, this, friends, I, I hope you're excited for for what lies in store for the rest of today's show. Um, we are we're looking through the lens of this beautiful parable of the ten virgins and and we're asking that question, how is it that that I can truly expect of myself that I can ask of myself to be on mission all the time for the rest of my life, that this could be something that's sustainable and inspiring and life-giving every day. Because uh, as you know, here at Beyond Damascus, we like to say it's almost a tagline. Every single one of us is called to a life of full-time ministry, whether you work in the church, whether you work at a school, whether you work in the workplace, whether you work in the home, right? That Every single one of us is called to a life of full-time ministry. The question is, how is it that we're called to effectively live that out? Mm-hmm. Thanks for joining today for Beyond Damascus. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to we're going to dive a little deeper into how to burn brightly without burning out. He was a Jesuit, a cardinal, and a doctor of the church. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church. St. Robert Bellarmine is honored for his immense contributions to theology, including helping to draft two important catechisms that defended church teachings during the Protestant Revolt. Pope Clement VIII named Bellarmine a cardinal because, as the Pope put it, Bellarmine had not his equal for learning. For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. We should pray because prayer is conversation with God, and conversation is the only way to build a relationship. We need that relationship with God. We should pray and talk with God about what's on our hearts, what's on our minds, what's active in our lives, the joys we have. We should share all of these with God. Prayer is conversation, and conversation is the only way to build a relationship with God. It's the most important relationship. All of our other relationships depend on this one. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Friends, you're joining in the second segment of today's show. If you want to catch up on what we discussed in the first part of the show today, feel free to check out our podcast. You can find us wherever podcasts are found at Beyond Damascus. 
Beyond Damascus is a co-production here on the radio of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the entire global EWTN Catholic Radio Network. And today's show, uh, we've, we've been focusing on this question of how to burn brightly without burning out. We're looking at this question through the lens of the parable of the ten virgins. And uh, Dan, we, we've, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how to keep our fire burning. Scripture mm-hmm. says that we're the light of the world, we're the salt of the earth, right? Um, we're, we're built to burn. And in this parable, it's, uh, you know, one of the, I, I don't know, one of the funny things that stood out to me is when the virgins go to the, to the, to the merchant who supplies the oil, right? There's this, there's this suggestion that like uh, the, whatever it is, that keeps our fire burning, it's a consumable resource, mm. right? That this isn't just something that, you, you know, some some are meant to burn more effectively and, and longer than others. <laughs> it's just a gift that you get. Uh, mm. You know, some are made to, some are made to minister. Others are made to sit on the, you know, sit on the sidelines. And that's not the, that's not the idea that we get in today's story that each of these women, it seems, um, came from a place of equal standing in mm-hmm. so far as they're they're all ready and prepped um, beautifully attired to meet the bridegroom right to meet the Lord and yet some of them have something that others are lacking and there's even a suggestion that had they been better prepared, had they worked more diligently, had they committed to a particular lifestyle that pursued a certain goal that they too could have achieved or could have gained what it is that they're now lacking. Mm. Oh yeah. So, so the, the image of course that the scripture uses is the oil, right? Um, I wonder if it's, if it's worth maybe jumping into a conversation about what is, what is the oil in our lives as Christians and how do we, how do we prioritize that and fight for that? Yeah. That we don't end up running out of steam, right? Yeah. Well, and just think about how tragic this <laughs> this parable is that these were people who were once burning, like yeah. they once had it, they once were on fire for the gospel, and then when the Lord came, they weren't ready for mm-hmm. him. And like that's just it's um the Lord wants us to be ready and and he wants us to burn consistently for him and in a kind of that bridegroom kind of intimacy. So let's Aaron, I want to just highlight four areas uh, of how we can um of of how we can maintain the oil, right? That can, like as you said, that consumable we'll see, we'll see if resource. any more come up as yeah. the, through the course of conversation. <laughs> I think the first one is just a, a bridegroom intimacy and prayer. Um, if we're talking about uh, that, that that re- the Lord when He comes again, He wants a bridegroom kind of relationship. That um, He wants us to have, as I was saying before the break, that kind of marital love um, where we are fully given day after day. You know, there's there's a difference in Greek um, of the different kinds of loves. I'm sure we've all heard that. The eros kind of love and the agape kind of love. And eros is that um, that love that's really fueled by the passions, uh, that I'm in love with you, and there's <laughs> there's this passion inside of me that lets me fall deeper in love my with brother, you. My brother Peter teaches eighth grade religion class at one of our Catholic schools here in Columbus, and he texted me yesterday. He was saying, "How do I, how do I describe eros love to, <laughs> to these eighth grade students?" And we were talking back and forth about C.S. Lewis and uh, the four loves. 
And then he's like, I think I may have dug myself into a hole because <laughs> yesterday I referred to Arrow's love as kissy, kissy love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely, that's digging yourself into a love. I mean, a hole. That's hilarious. All right. So there's that kissy, kissy love, right? And, and actually the, the Lord gives us that at the moment of our conversion where we just fall deeply in love with him yeah, often. Yeah. And, and w- there's that moment when if, you know, if any of us are married or have like, we, we have that Eros kind of love with our spouse as well, where we fall in love. And, um, and that's such a good gift. It's such a, a treasure. But then you kind of realize that that's not once, once you're living in relationship with another person, you realize there's a deeper form of love too, that agape love, which is so if Eros is marked by passion, agape yeah. is love that's marked by sacrifice and mm. that I'm willing to lay my life down for you. And, and you almost kind of see the cheapness of Eros, not that it's fully cheap, right? Because there's beauty in, in the, the, the passion. Um, but that, that it's, that it's not sustainable yeah. that even through a hard day, through a rough day, through a tough mission, like at the end of the day, husbands and wives are committed to each other through the sacrifice. And that's, it's a sustaining love that's there day after day. It's, it's the kind of love that's made of covenant, right? That I give you my life for the rest of my life, no matter what comes. It's yeah. those wedding vows. I, I like to say that we should take the wedding vows that we, uh, that we use in the marriage ceremony and actually use it with the Lord. Like, yeah. Well, you and Dan, you and I have done confirmation retreats forever, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the one of the skits that we like to do in in our confirmation retreats, our baptismal vows are are eerily similar to our to the marital vows, yeah. right? That that every time we profess our commitment to live in relationship and covenant with another person, whether that's our husband, our wife, or whether that is the Lord, like there's a, there's a, there's a sacramental reality to the mm-hmm. fact that these words are, these words are intentional. Yeah. Absolutely. So we, we usually bring like a, a couple of eighth graders up on stage and we pretend to marry them in front of their peers. Which is just beautiful and scandalous all usually, at the same time. Usually hilarious. <laughs> and every, every once in a while you find the cup, like the, the, the two that actually have a crush on each other. <laughs> it's just like, the crowd more, goes wild. even more awkward. <laughs> but it is, it's, it's that baptism is so, if you will, marriage points to the sign. Yep. It's a sign. It's a, a of of the actual covenant uh, that God has made with us. And those words, I take you to be mine. I promise to be faithful to you in good times and in bad and sickness and in health, to love you and to honor you all the days of my life. That yeah. The Lord says those to us and we say those to him. And that's like a bridegroom intimacy that I'm not going anywhere, <laughs> right? That it, and, and that secret like intimacy is born through consistent day after day prayer and and resting with the Lord. The Lord says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, I'll give you rest. Yeah. That the prayer is meant to be a place of rest. And if it's not, then go back to prayer. You know, <laughs> like I think sometimes Mother Mother Teresa, she always that she's she's quoted well with saying, um, I I do a holy hour every day except for when I'm busy, then I do two holy hours. And um I don't I don't know if she actually did two holy hours when she was busy, but I think that the intentionality is when when I have a heavy burden on my shoulders, the key in that moment is to make sure that I have a disposition of rest with the one whom I'm laboring for. Yeah. You know, that um, he wants, and then that secret place of prayer, that intimacy always bears fruit as well. Like you could imagine that 
the intimacy of marriage, that bridegroom intimacy the Lord speaks to, it bears forth abundant fruit. And so the Lord wants that, um, that, that intimacy to be the place that bears the fruit, to be the place that allows us. Mm. Um, so I think first and foremost, we just need to see our prayer time as like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get the oil every day. I, I won't run out. It's like, what was that flask of oil? They had enough to store because they were ready to go because the Lord had been depositing in them. And that, that intimacy with the Lord is where we get deposit. Um, that's prayer. beautiful. Yeah. I love that. You know, there is a, um, a scripture account in, uh, first Kings where Elijah gets burnt out. And, um, it's funny cause Elijah in first Kings, he's like, um, doing all kinds of crazy stuff. He's like calling fire down from heaven. And then, uh, he, he stops a seven year drought and he rain comes. And it's like, this, these are pretty big sign, like signs and wonders. Like there's his ministry is pretty blessed at this point, right? <laughs> like he's able to call down fire from heaven and, and, and overcome like 400 false prophets of Baal. He's probably got yeah. a pretty big confidence at this point that God loves him. Um, but then a few chapters later, it says that uh, then Elijah lays down under a broom tree and falls asleep. Suddenly, the uh, um, oh, right before that, it says he was afraid and he fled, fled for his life because, you know, he calls down fire. People start getting angry. And he says, enough, Lord, take my life for I am no long. I am no better than my ancestors. So he's kind of at a point where he's praying for death. Right. Um, and I would say that's a that's a ministry burnout. <laughs> and but it's neat because as he's there, the Lord sends an angel as he goes to sleep and he ministers to him and he fills him again. And yeah. um, and the Lord like, it's okay. We're all going to fall asleep. We're all going to get to that point of burnout. But the Lord wants to fill you um, yeah. and to strengthen you again. Uh, so I, I mentioned earlier in the show, Dan, that we just, you and I just were able to step out of, um, taking a little break from an all day staff retreat that we have here on campus. We've got 35 of our missionaries who are, are just, we're, we're committed to being reestablished in our missionary culture. And one of the stories that you were sharing this morning with the crew was just about those first years in youth ministry. And, um, I, I, as, as you're, as you're saying this, like, I remember those it's it's good for us to remember those days mm-hmm. to remember when when you and I were you know at the end of our the end of our rope mm-hmm. uh, thinking my goodness how can I like how how can how can this how can I sustain this yep. how can I continue to to live my life like this right I know I know for you and I have have we're, we uh, we have wives and families and um, for for much of our time and being on the road and traveling with with Catholic youth summer camp before it was what we now know it here at Damascus. But like there were, there were, there were real true stresses on our relationships, on our marriages. Um, and I, I think that, I think that it's, it's so important that we remember those moments and in, in the good times, in the times of success, in the times of victory that, that we look back and remember, okay, this is, you know, this is where I've come from. Mm-hmm that God is, God is faithful. And Amen. then, and then we've got a story to tell, right? Yeah. That, that there's a purpose for what it is he's, he's aligned us for. And that's, that's agape. And that's, that's bridegroom intimacy. It, it, and the, it's interesting. The Lord doesn't come back as a conquering King. He comes back as a bridegroom, it says here. And that's, so I think that mentality of like, I'm going to grind, I'm going to grind, I'm going to grind, and I'm going to be a warrior for the Lord. It only goes so far in mission, at some point, 
you've got to get to a point with the Lord where it's intimacy. Like I'm with you no matter what. It's not the it's not the grind. It's the rest that I get. I get recharged by this relationship with you. Um, that gets me through hard times, and and that's the oil. Yesterday, I was sharing with our with our second year students about like King David, right? That the mark on King David's life, the the reality that God referred to him as as a man after my own heart, right? It it wasn't the fact that he was a warrior king, though he was mm-hmm. he was a warrior king, um, but it was it was the intimacy with him that enabled that fruit to flow. Yeah. So, yeah. so the, the, the battle, you know, the battle and the drive and the conviction, like those aren't actually the fundamental component of our character. Mm-hmm. The fundamental component of our character is something we catch yeah. in relationship with the one who, who is our, who is our motivation, yeah. who is our, who is our love. Catholics, I pray that you're listening to this because I think this is a, a challenge in the American Catholic church right now is that sometimes we are at battle and at war with a agenda that seems to go against us and um and so we can find ourselves going on mission trying to fight against the progressive movement or the the liberal agenda and we 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 find ourselves <laughs> so at, at this this battle and a word of conviction we've been there <laughs> yeah and and the answer is you'll burn out if that's if that's your like if that's all you've got there's got to be a bridegroom intimacy where you're doing this out of a place of rest because you're so filled with love from the bridegroom and you're so surrendered to whom him who he is that you you aren't just going to battle for him but you're in marriage with him and and you're trying to transform the church to lead others into that relationship yeah. um as opposed to just fighting yeah. fighting fighting if, if you're being convicted by those by these words right now i i I want to take a little little prayer break, and um, I, I just want to intercede. Dan and I want to intercede for you. Uh, I, I hope that these words, this invitation, is um, is is touching your heart. And I pray, Jesus, that you'd come into the hearts of every listener who's engaged with us in today's show. Uh, Jesus, that you would remind us of those times when we're tempted to become self reliant, and uh, Jesus, show us again the value of what authentic relationship with you holds. Show us again the necessity of what it means to be in love with you. If if those words uh, feel awkward to us, if those words feel isolating to us, feel unattractive to us, God, I pray that you would that you would give us a change of heart right now. And that you give us the grace to see you as the one who who invites and sustains us in all things. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah, that's so good. So what's that first pillar to to make sure that the the oil burns brightly in you? It's that bridegroom intimacy. And so just cling cling to that. Amen. Work for bridegroom intimacy with the Lord. Amen. And then secondly, I would say the heart of a missionary, right? That if I'm uh if I'm the light of the world, there's something that when I have a conversion of heart, something changes inside of my heart, right? Uh, Pope Benedict XVI refers to that, that when we have an encounter with the Lord, our life is set on a new horizon, right? And that, that we see the world differently. We, the, a new trajectory is given to our life. And, and it's almost that, that purpose that my heart has been transformed for the, that I no longer live for myself, but I live for others. And, mm. um, 
that it's not just about me and Jesus, but it's about me and Jesus and the rest of the children of God, uh, that I want to bring as many souls as possible to Jesus. And, um, I know that when marriage gets, uh, difficult, what, what is the thing that keeps, um, people together or keeps them fighting? A lot of times it's the children, right? The children give you something to fight for that when you see your own love manifested, if you will, in, in other, in, in, uh, uh, John Paul II calls children the eternal bond of love between husband and wife. And to an extent, the mission that those that you serve, they're the bond of love between you and the Lord that, you see that your coworkers that you've been trying to bring to the Lord for years and you're you're tired and you're burnt out, and you're like, How can I how can I keep going, Lord, on mission? Well it's like see them with a missionary heart, that they're the children of God and that the Lord just wants you to pour yourself out for them mm-hmm. and um that there's that God wants to keep our heart focused on others. I think when our heart loses its focus on th- on others, we we start to burn out. Um, I think it's really possible too, that that met that, that heart that becomes hardened to the fact that the stakes are really high here, right? That there's, um, that the bridegroom's going to come again and there will be some who are ready for him and there will be some who aren't ready for him. And so if I keep that in mind day after day, my heart breaks for those who aren't ready for him. Like, uh, I want as many people to come into this banquet as possible. And so in flowing forth from that bridegroom intimacy comes this missionary heart that just says, Lord, let me help you as as much as possible to get people to, to heaven. Yeah. It, uh, I think this, this is a good word uh, from, um, you know, from a, the small scale and from the large scale, right here at Damascus, you know, we have, we have the tremendous blessing and opportunity to be able to minister to 10,000 kids every year on our campus. Right. But even through this radio show, like, right. We get, we get to, we get to minister to uh, hundreds of, uh, you know, thousands of, of, of people who, who tune in and, and who listen to this, these words. It's so necessary that every time we walk on stage, every time we prepare to give a message, every time we turn on these microphones Mm -hmm. that we remember that our motivation is for the love of the souls that, that we are charged with pastoring through this for stewarding through this. At the same time, it's impossible for me to live out my call as a dad. If I don't constantly remind myself of the, of the responsibility that I have to, Mm. to truly love my children. Right. Um, just yesterday morning, we're potty training our, our youngest, and it's always fun. She's finally come to the place where she's, uh, we are, we're making it through the full night without a diaper for the first time. And, uh, this probably isn't the first time this has happened. This is the first time that I've had the great pleasure of dealing with it since we've started doing diaper free evenings. But yesterday morning, Felicity woke up with a, with a wet bed and, uh, it was, it was a beautiful reminder to me that because, you know, my motivation before I opened the door was love and mercy I was I was so excited to hear her voice when she spoke in the morning, mm. um, and then I then I walked over to her room, and when she said, you know, I've got a mess for you to clean up, I I didn't get I didn't get upset, right? I didn't get, <laughs> I didn't get frustrated, and this I, I have gotten frustrated before, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've gotten upset in the past, and 
uh, it was such a beautiful like reminder to me that, hey, when my heart is oriented toward a love of another, all of a sudden my mission becomes possible. Yeah. Like my mission becomes becomes sweet. Yeah. Even the times that are that are requiring that require sacrifice. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, so I would say if you're experiencing burnout, let the the oil of a, of mission just burn in you, right? That just to say like, Lord, give me a heart for your people again. Like give me a, a heart for the salvation of souls again. Like let me let me just burn for a desire to bring people to you. Like what you 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 can't fake passion <laughs> that that like that you meet some people and you hear like some people are just so on fire for the gospel and it, it's there's something about evangelization that has to come from something's burning inside of you and you can't put that inside of yourself. I can't force myself to be passionate. And so I go to the Lord and I say, Lord, fill me with mm. a passion for souls. Fill Amen. me with a love for your people because that only comes from you, right? Like I can't fake that. And and so let the Lord fill you with an oil that cares about others and you just want them to be yes. with Jesus forever in heaven. Like if I've fallen in love with him and he's loved me, I want to share that love with others. Um Amen. Because it's that important. Amen. So we promised four. We've promised four pieces today. Four ways that we actually keep our lamps filled. Mm. The first was seeking fullness mm-hmm. in in the intimacy of prayer. Yeah. Actually seeking. You know, sometimes we, we we think of this as a Protestant thing and not a Catholic thing, but seeking relationship with Jesus. Mm. <laughs> right. It's it's critical. It's it's part of our sacramental language. It's part of who we are mm-hmm. as Christians. Uh, and and second is to to seek a heart for the people that God's given us charge over yeah. to to hunger for souls. Yeah. Thirdly, I it's it's a very practical. We need community, right? Like there's yes. there's something about the fact that when Jesus sent his disciples out, he sent them out in twos um, because there's. Um, it's really hard to do mission by yourself. <laughs> yep. yep. And and Jesus knew that, and that's why he called people to himself. He didn't do it alone, and he's the Son of God. Um, and and he call when he sends people out, he sends them out together. Um, and you know, I, I love an Acts because there's actually intentionality behind this. It says when Apollos in Acts eighteen twenty seven says when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him. And wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. There was almost like an intentionality that, hey, I'm going somewhere to serve on mission. I need to make sure there's community there so that when I go, I'm ready to go. You yep. know, um, and, and, and the, the uh, you know, I think it's important to ask ourselves, well, are there people that the Lord has me to work with so I don't feel alone? And do I need to, to co-labor with some people? That's awesome. We, we uh, it's, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to risk, you know, annoying you by saying again, we just stepped out of an amazing missionary. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but Aaron was really built up this morning. Praise the Lord. And uh, one of the, one of the changes in language even that we've adopted here is that we, we've, we are intentionally, um, committed not to referring our, to ourselves as, you know, uh, a, a mission, a business, a ministry business, uh, a social entrepreneurship, right? That, that the apostolate of Damascus is fundamentally a, it's, it's a community of missionaries that is on mission, mm-hmm. you know, that, that 
outside of the people that God's called to this assignment, mm. there is no assignment. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because I think what if, I mean, the parish, the Catholic parish needs to start thinking of themselves as that as well, right? That we are, we are a community yeah. that is on mission. The, 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 the great, I just love Pope Francis's, uh, uh, he talked about the church is a community of missionary disciples. And so the, if the church, this is like a, a bold statement. What is the church? The church is a community. And what kind of community is the church? One that is missionary disciples, that it flows forth from, um, from community. And so mm. we couldn't, without community, we can't be, we can't sustain missionary discipleship. We uh, it, and, we have to be the right kind of community. So the, I, the parable of the 10 virgins, there's five who are wise and there are five who are foolish. So they're all in community together, right? It's not like there was the group of the foolish over here and the group of the wise over here. They were actually one community. It was just in that community, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. So what does that say to me? It says, be careful who you hang out with and who you listen to, even in your own parish community, that mm. there could be some who are, are foolish and they've got, they've, they've been misled by a false gospel of worldliness and yep. they're taking the the world and they're conforming the gospel to the world as opposed to allowing the gospel to change their heart and and so mm. the i you know I, I i bet the the five wise pushed each other they encouraged each other they 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 sharpened each other iron sharpens iron right but if you're not iron you're not going to sharpen iron I, I said the other day uh feathers don't sharpen feathers right like two feathers <laughs> just touch each other and so the if the five wise people are just uh if they're iron sharpening each other the five foolish are are, are just five feathers whacking at each other and, and that's not it's not going to make you better so if you're hanging out with feathers, right, go find some iron <laughs> so that you get sharpened. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, I, I want to, we're going to, we're going to move to a break here in just a moment. But uh, once again, we're looking at from the lens of the, ten, of the parable of the 10 virgins, we're asking this question, how do we burn brightly without burning out? And as we, as we kind of realize that in order to keep our lamps burning, they need to consume a a fuel, right? That the Lord wants to provide for us a way for this to be possible in our lives. He does it through intimacy and relationship with him. He does it through conviction um, in the hearts of others. And Dan, you want to summarize that third point one more time? Yeah, just community, that we need to be a community of wise that sharpens each other as opposed to a community so of through, foolish people. So through intimacy, through community, and through a passion for the mission that he's given us, mm -hmm. we can enter into a place, friends, where we're actually capable of, of doing this well. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this break with the final point for how it is that we can actually engage in a life of, of intimacy with the Lord, of burning brightly without burning out. Join us here on Beyond Damascus in just a few short moments. Each person has dignity and worth, not because of his physical abilities or occupation, not because of her skin color or status. Each person is valuable, not because of his productivity or age, but because we are human, created by God in his own image and likeness, and neither economics nor emotions should alter the length of each person's gift to humanity. 
Unplanned, the true story of Abby Johnson. I would be the youngest director in Planned Parenthood history. She believed in a woman's right to choose. I've had an abortion myself, so I don't have any problem with another woman making the same decision. Until the day she saw something that changed everything. Tiny, perfect little baby. And then it was just gone. Now she's pulling back the curtain on the abortion industry. Unplanned. Available at EWTNRC.com and the EWTN app. And welcome back to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. Thanks again for joining us today, friends. Beyond Damascus is a co-production of St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. We are carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, recorded here in the beautiful, illustrious Damascus Media Studio. This is the third segment of today's show, and man, what a, what an awesome reflection it's been. I hope that you've been inspired through through joining us today. Uh we're looking at the parable of the 10 virgins and uh, we're asking that question. How is it that we as individuals called to a life of mission can burn brightly without burning out? We've talked about how intimacy and relationship with Jesus, how commitment and love of the people we're called to serve and how commitment and love to the people we're called to serve with are, are those are, are three of those critical components. Mm-hmm. And Dan's going to round us off right now with, with, uh, with the fourth and final piece and then we're going to we're going to pray to get you out the door. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's not over spiritualize this. Yeah. The the fourth piece is order in your personal life. <laughs> that that it's easy to make uh, in church world everything flower like very flowery and yeah. very spiritual. Um but uh, over and over again you see people who have disordered lives, they burn out. Um you you I'm sure you've seen um you know, ministers of the gospel or people who that their life isn't attractive and it's not burning because they're scattered and they're all over the place. And it's, um, the Lord wants us to actually like be fueled by having personal order, making sure our calendar is healthy, making sure I, I have a friend who said, if your prayer life's out of order, clean your room, right? Like that chances are that your prayer life's out of order because your bedroom's out of order or your, wow. your prayer life's out of order because your car's out of order. And so um, when things feel like chaos, it may be because there's chaos in your life. That's, that's awesome. We talk about, um, what is it, natural and spiritual desolation sometimes. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, uh, you shared a great testimony. Forgive me if I'm, if I'm, encroaching on your personal life too much feel free to share (laughs) where's this going this is a testimony i heard from a friend once Uh (laughs) of uh just being in a place of like feeling um spiritually and mentally and emotionally exhausted and not knowing what was going on and then your your lovely wife asked if you'd been drinking enough water oh yeah exactly (laughs) yeah right and sometimes it's sometimes it's just the simple stuff that we've got to we've got to put into into order in our life discipline exists for a reason yep yeah, um, a lot of times here at here at Damascus, we we love to welcome in you know our, our missionaries that we work with on a daily basis. Um, oftentimes, you you see a marked difference in in individuals who've who've come from high school or who've come from college. You know, uh, we we love them. We love them both, of course, but. There's it, it's apparent to us that there's a certain mentality that happens when you've been forced to build a schedule. Yep. Not yep. Not, not that that happens necessarily for all of us <laughs> in college. Well, I have I have a a, a personal um, annoyance with going through computer files to find the file I want. So I tend to 
overcrowd my desktop because I like files quick at hand. I can, I can affirm that. Yes. <laughs> and so I always know that when I'm getting stressed out at work, <clears throat> it's usually like, oh, I just need to stop and clean up my desktop. And then uh, and once my desktop's clean, boom, I'm ready to refocus again. And I think there's a lot of times that that's such a natural thing. It has nothing to do with the spiritual life. But if I don't take time to organize a to-do list to organize a desktop to keep like my mission clean then it's it's you can yeah. burn out and yeah. you can feel like things are are wrong when they're not really wrong you just have to have order and and most importantly sabbath right that like the lord if the lord rested on the seventh day we need to rest <laughs> like that the, there's got to be an intentional time of rest the yeah. lord's not asking us um to like, if if you go back to the sun, right? Like the sun burns brightly, but the the sun also has moments where it's it's rising and it's setting. And even in our own weekly life, we need to have moments where we rise and we set, right? Yeah. To to be refreshed and recharged, and know <laughs> know how you Sabbath best to be recharged for the sake of mission. Yeah. That's awesome. And friends, we can do these things. Mm-hmm. These these things can can be accomplished in our life in a way that's meaningful and upbuilding. So just to round it off one more time, those the difference between the the the, the virgins that enjoyed uh, that place of connection with the Lord, the the heroes of the story and the ones that got turned away and left behind. It it wasn't it wasn't that they were born with it, right? It was, it was that they did some practical things. And I think that if we can commit ourselves to some practical things, we can, we can find ourselves in a place where we can be a ministry success story instead of a, instead of a warning to future generations. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, what does it mean? It means identifying an intentional time to seek intimacy with the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That if, if you are more convicted about the work that you're called to do than the one for whom you're called to do it or the one with whom you're called to do it, here's an invitation to reorient your heart, mm-hmm. right? To resolve that, Lord, uh, inspire me for the impact, for the souls that you intend to move. Sometimes I know I, I work here at Damascus as our director for operations. Sometimes it's easy to not see the face of the person that you're serving. Jesus, inspire us with the fact that the work that we do is valuable. Why? because you've called us to change the world, to, to, to do it with the community, to realizing, Lord, you've called us in such a way that we're called to labor together. And finally, to work on those simple disciplines. Mm-hmm. You know, the story would have been different if when they had gone to the, the merchant that afternoon, the girls had just thought ahead and said, I'm going to buy two canisters of oil, right? That would have been a simple process. And maybe if they'd put their agenda together for that day, they would have figured that out. Mm. You know, um, that's our invitation. Friends, I want to thank you for joining us for today's show. Um, Once again, I I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. If you want to hear what it is that um, we talked about today, again, if you want to be reminded of this or to share it with a friend, check us out wherever podcasts can be found at Beyond Damascus. Um, The title of the show is Beyond Damascus. And um, we want to give a special shout out again to St. Gabriel Radio and EWTN Radio. God bless you and have a great day.